So imagine, Shelby, they're treating Ugh. you like shit. They're whipping with cat nine tails. You got scurvy. Your gums are growing over your teeth. They're rotten and you hate it. You see on the horizon a ship coming towards you and it's coming at you fast. And it has the skull and crossbones flag. And all of a sudden, these fucking officers that have making your life hell start looking nervous. Ooh. And they run around and they're like, fuck, fuck, everybody get to a cannon and get this thing going. And you guys go, as fast as you can. Yeah. <laughs> Because what you know and what your officers know and what the pirates motherfucking know is what's gonna happen when they get there. History, I'd like to follow me down the rabbit hole. History, I'd like to frankly, I want to Hello and welcome to HILF, history I'd like to fuck with Don Brody. I'm Don Brody, and this is it, friends. The big one, the HILF to F all H's. The subject so fuckable, it is arguably why I became a historian, and therefore why I am doing this podcast, and therefore why we are all here. Can I get an ahoy? <laughs> now, my guest for this episode is the marvelous and talented Shelby Young, a film and voice actress who is as funny as she is cool. Oh, we have such a blast swashing these buckles that by the end of this thing, you'd keelhaul your own quartermaster to bring her aboard. <laughs> Not sure what that means? Well, you're about to, sailor. <laughs> so pull up your hammock and settle in with your favorite cup of grog as we lift anchor on the Hilf of the Pirates. Let's get started. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry at all. I'm so, so excited. I'm sitting down with my guest, Shelby Young. Hello. Oh, what a delight to have you, Shelby. Oh, I'm going to give you. your credits. I'm going to have you give me a little introduction on yourself. But here's what we know so far. Okay. You are an actress here in L.A., yes. primarily known for your voice acting in such roles as Gasp. Princess Leia in <laughs> Disney's Forces of Destiny, and as it pertains to our house, Reina in Baby Sharks. You watch Baby Big Sharks Big Show? Come on, how do I get away without Baby Sharks oh, Big Girl? That girl, makes me so happy. This is what's so funny. This is how your life comes full circle when you have kids, because I'm a crazy Star Wars fan. Like, yeah. the fact that you're fucking Leia has to be, like, the face <laughs> melter, right? But this is the new world I live in now. I go to your IMDb page, because I knew, I was like, yeah, she's yeah. the voice of Princess Leia. It's totally hot. And I was like, holy fucking balls! And my husband, we both work with a lot of A-list. It's not, like, uncommon for us to meet celebrities. I was like, come here, come here! She's Reina on Baby oh, Shark. Oh my, like, oh my god so very excited <laughs> that makes me so happy i love playing reina yeah no baby sharks big show is so cute yes. it's so cute because there are a lot of kid shows i know i mean i haven't nannied in a long time so i don't know what all of the children programming is right now but there are a couple i'd watch where i'm like eh, okay but then there are a few i got sucked into and baby sharks big show not just because i'm on it i'm like i love the plots this is really great dude it is one <laughs> of the best it's not just a voice because i don't want to spoil it for my listeners here but um shelby's a babe <laughs> like if ever there was a like why i mean your voice sound your voice is fantastic Thanks. but you're like a top shelf mega babe oh my god and you're also let's see everybody hates chris yes and criminal minds yes what else tell me what else we may recognize you from yeah the main things i get recognized for these days as I, I had a recurring role on the first season of american horror story which was really fun um and then this movie called wild child which that one 
has had a resurgence because it was a movie I did when I was like 15. It was a teen kind of Mean Girls-esque movie. And for whatever reason, they released it uh, in theaters everywhere except the U.S. So it never had this like big following that I knew of here. And then it just got put back on Netflix. And now I've been getting stopped for it. Like every video I post on TikTok, people are like, wait, are you from Wild Child? It's so strange all these years later, but that's one of them now. And then here was a credit that had me like, got to ask. IMDb says that you are the Ghostbusters Afterlife Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man uncredited. Yes. Explain this Indeed. to me. <laughs> so I do something called ADR, which is um, looping or ADR as we go in and we do like background voices in films. So, you know, when, when you're watching a movie and the lead characters are in a mall or something, right, they're having a conversation, but you hear background voices throughout it. They can't record the extras on the day speaking because it would mess up the dialogue of the, the lead characters. So we go in a group of us and have to improvise what we think they're saying in the background. Um, so usually you don't get credited for that. And this was one of those where this was, we were specially brought in to voice the the mini puffed marshmallow, mini stay puffed marshmallows, but it was still in that like looping space. So no credits for that, but it was me and a few other talented actors and it was really fun. And we just sat around going like, like that. Oh my God, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's your new line yeah. is just uncredited. Uncredited. <laughs> um, and where are you originally from? Were you born, you started 15, you were making movies. Were you living here the whole time? No. Well, I moved out here when I was 12. Um, I am from Florida originally. I escaped uh, young, thankfully. I got out. Um, I went to New York for a bit. I lived in the city because I was pursuing stage work. Was I wanted Broadway was what I thought I wanted when I was younger. And then I started working in film and television there. And my agents were like, go to California. You have to be in Los Angeles. So yeah, my mom was super supportive and we came out here when I was 12 and I haven't left since. I love this town too. Me too. <laughs> I, I love living in a big city, man. I just Me think too. I just think it's a thrill and I love the work here and I love that it's a draw for people to move from other places yeah. and tourists. Yeah. It just makes for a sort of continuing circular group. There's never a people. boring day. Like even if it's something not great, like I was at a restaurant the other day and this crazy lady threw her coffee and it got all over me and it had nothing to do with me. It just happened. And I'm like, oh, gotta love LA. <laughs> this is great. And I know, you know, for the people I know who've lived here for a long time, they're like, yeah, that goes away. And I'm like, then you move to New York and you get their weird bullshit. Exactly. I don't know. Like, you know, at least here it's 72 in December and yeah it's pretty boss and yeah am i afraid of the inevitable earthquake yes the big one's coming of course i'm afraid of the inevitable okay earthquake, so what's your opinion on it. earthquakes with this because for me i know that they say you're not supposed to run outside but i know that if there is a big one coming i'm on a third floor i want to be on the ground floor i want to be outside couldn't agree more right? i thought the same thing but did you listen to the podcast the big one podcast no i have not okay because I was like, first one happened, I ran outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then I Googled, what are you supposed to actually do? And, and it's it like, like, do not run do outside. Here's, and the reason why, you know the reason why. Because things are falling. and Things are falling, but the ground under you is unsteady. So the chances of you falling and breaking your leg oh. goes up. Well, I already so fall a lot. So you're going to fall and break your leg. <laughs> so that's that. why they're like, just get down, get under a thing. Okay. Maybe we'll both be lucky and we will be road tripping to like Palm Springs in our oh. cars and we'll be fine. God, I love Palm Springs. Yeah, you know, too. on a even even like a mild tragedy, I'm like, I better go to Palm Springs just in case. <laughs> Let me ask you before we go tits deep into this history. Okay. What do you love about pirates? 
Um, Johnny Depp. Uh, no, I. <laughs> Word. There's so much I don't know about pirates. That's why I'm honestly excited about this. But I, I've seen how they've been portrayed in movies and and in shows. And there's something just very sexy about a pirate, a, sh- a swashbuckler breaking in and doing terrible things that in real life is not sexy. But no, I learned. I have one pirate fact that Ooh, I know, which I'm on. sure you know this already. Bring it. Bring it. Maybe not. Do you know why pirates wear eye patches? <gasps> yes, you do. <laughs> Yes, and it's fascinating. Should we tell them now or should we tell our listeners later? Tell we'll tell them later. Okay. Five things you want to know about pirates. And me, how did you how did you learn about the eye patch thing? One of my good friends told me. She and I were competing just to see who knew the most not that it's a pointless fact, but the most pointless facts for our daily life. And so we just were going back and forth and she told me that one and I've I've told it now as if I've known this my whole life and she gets really mad at me. Oh She's girl. Like, I told you this. Yeah. What is it? What is her name? <laughs> Emma. Emma's fucked. Yeah. You're about to get a treasure trove of useless <laughs> trivia and Emma's going to eat, eat your dick. You're going to be like, oh, eye patches. Cute, Emma. Yeah. Guess what? Yeah. Oh, you know what else? Okay. <laughs> well, what you guys can't see right now is the stack of pirate books on this chair. <laughs> and what and what Shelby can't see right now is the stack twice as big that I left at home because I couldn't carry them all down here. Incredible. I do have a stack of books. This is incredible. But before I get into all the crazy history yes. and all of the, the, the nuance and the fun stuff, I want to start, Shelby. Yes. With a story. Yes, please. Okay. This story takes place in November of 1720 in Port Royal, Jamaica. Hmm. Mm. We are at the end of what's called the Golden Age of Piracy, which is this about 80 to 100 year span of time when the swashbuckling was at its peak. And the various world powers have come together to be like, we got that this pirate thing. Like, we all sort of benefited from having sending out nasty ass dudes on boats to right. like sack each other. But like now for real, it's now costing it's us time. a lot of money. <laughs> We need to shut this down. And they are doing pirate trials in almost every port city, day and night. They used to just be executing the captains. Now they're executing everybody on board. I mean, it is hardcore pirate clearances. So there's these trials all the time. But this trial has drawn a particular crowd because this trial is for Calico Jack Rackham and his notorious crew, which is known to include two women, Mary Reed. And Anne Bonny. Ooh. Mm. Okay. So everyone's like, we have heard about these women, girl. And during the course of the trial, what people have heard is confirmed by the crew themselves, by eyewitnesses, that these women run the fucking show. No They are not way. prisoners. They are not the lovers of the captain. They are full-fledged pirates who participate in the same way as the rest of the crew, and they call the shots. When they give commands, the rest of the crew takes those commands. That's incredible. No one can believe it. And their atrocities are well documented <laughs> and coming out hot during this trial. Okay. And Bonnie is married to Calico Jack Rackham, the technical captain. Mm-hmm. But again, she's definitely running the show. The judge, after hearing all of the evidence, condemns them all to guilty and execution. Mm-hmm. An execution, by the way, that happens now, like 24 hours. It's, okay. They walked in there past dead bodies. Like we wow. are swift, very swift justice. Wow. So they. At this point, Mary Reed and Ann Bonnie appear to all quite calm, smug even. And it is at this point that they say to the judge, you will not be executing us. And the judge says, I will. And if you think I have any problem executing women, you, have a, you haven't watched the witch trials, right? We, don't, right. We, we find a way, you know. And they say, no, that's not it. Uh, we're pregnant. Both of us. No way. Yes. The judge calls for an inspection. It is proven to be true. 
In the meantime, however, the rest of the crew, including Calico Jack Rackham, are going off to their execution. The judge is still so taken back by the cool chilliness of these two women, especially Anne Bonny, that he says, have you nothing to say to your husband as he goes off to his death? And she says, yeah, sure, I got something to say. And she says, to Calico Jack Rackham, okay. if you would have fought like a man, you would not be dying like a dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, she's so badass. I know, I know. Girl. Okay. We're going to come back to Mary Reed and Ann Bonnie. Why has learn... that? Why have their lives not been in films or have they? They have. We'll talk. The, girl, the stories about these two women, their stories have been made into films. Okay. There, there were a lot of women pirates, actually, more than you would have mm -hmm. guessed. And sometimes they make fairly good movies that sort of take the most interesting parts and put them together. But two things fall apart, generally. Okay with these movies. One is we haven't quite been able to get over the fact that they may not be hot. Uh, Although to be fair, Anne Bonnie was kind of a babe and well, like everybody who? agreed, but like <laughs> they may not be hot and it's actually really unbelievable because it's so crazy. Cra like yeah. you, uh, there's one movie. It's okay. It's called cutthroat Island. It stars Gina Davis. Okay. It's about a woman captain pirate. It's okay. And it's just okay. Okay. It's okay. I'll skip it. <laughs> you can skip it. But it is, it is incredible. This history is mind-blowing. I have loved pirates since I was a kid. For the same reason a lot of people loved pirates when they were a kid. They are Peter Pan. They are, you know, Robinson Crusoe. They are Treasure right. Island. My sisters and I out there in the middle of nowhere in rural Wisconsin yes. played pirates. That was our favorite game. That's to the amazing. point where my oldest sister came home from college for the first time. We dressed as pirates. We took over her bus. <laughs> it's a very rural Wisconsin thing to do. You fully you. Uh... Fully. I dressed as a pirate for my senior prom. And when I got to I, it was a it was a costume i was a okay. really like really kind of heavy set home permed unattractive girl who went with my skinny little like gay friend and i was like this is so bad how do we make it funny on purpose <laughs> so we dressed as pirates i need to see photos when we're done if you I, have know, them. I can't believe i don't have them on me but oh they're good girl i even i'm even posing in my picture with like my hand on my head. yes you are and then when i got to college mm -hmm. i majored in theater minored in history mm -hmm. and found as in most things history, a perfect marriage of the theatricality of pirates with the history of pirates. And I ended up satisfying both my major and my minor. My history department was satisfied with the historical research I did on women right, pirates. Right. And then my theater department was satisfied with a play that I wrote. You wrote a play about pirates? Yes. Oh and my... do you want to know what? It's a really good play. It's about a woman pirate. And it's great. And I wrote it in 2002. <laughs> Which is a year before Pirates of the Caribbean came out. No. And my lead, and listen, my lead girl, my lead woman was named Kira. No, I you're swear to me. fucking God. There was no way I was going to, even if I changed your name, they'd be like, uh, nice try, fangirl. And I'd be like, <laughs> maybe was it'll come this back. Kira British with this sort of. So wayfish. I could oh, we'll, totally. We'll like, turn her. <laughs> God bless her. She was also a baby in those movies. Did you know she was baby. 19? In the first movie. You glow. Mm -hmm. If you're either 19 or you're pregnant, you glow like that. <laughs> um, you can see here, I mentioned I got a lot of books. Here's the number one. Okay. And I am giving you a book. Oh, my God. It's big. Oh, my God. As Great. you can see, it's called The General History of the Pirates. Pirates. This book is the pirate book. It was originally printed in 1724, which means it is a contemporary of the time, meaning it wow. is talking about events that took place within a couple of years. Right. I have another copy of that book here. I have a hardcover copy of the book here. And you can see mine says, 
written by Captain Charles Johnson. That one says by Daniel Defoe. Oh. And the reason why is because when it was first published in 1724, it was the pen name Charles Johnson because this dude, whoever he is, talked personally to a gazillion pirates and knows everything and is a pirate, has to be a pirate right, to know all right. this stuff. Not long ago, like within the last 10 years, an author did incredible historical research and determined that Daniel Defoe, the author of Robinson Crusoe, uh, an author of incredible uh, literature of this time, What's... was the secret author of the of the no way. That's already a cool story. It's totally cool. So it goes pirate by pirate. It's a fucking page turner. People loved it. It's got transcripts from the trials, <gasps> and you can find if you would have fought like a man, you wouldn't be dying like a dog. <sighs> All of that stuff. Thank it's you. I'm fan. so excited to read this. Oh, it is so fantastic fun. And you'll find that in the Anne Bonnie, I marked their pages and wrote little notes in oh the margins. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is I so cool. Yeah, John Rackham. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Now, the other sources, one is called Under the Black Flag by David Cordingly. He wrote this book in the late 90s and really sussed out fact from fiction. Okay. And, and gets into a lot of the details and where a lot of these myths come from. Mm -hmm. And then Women Pirates. Oh, cool. The Politics of the Jolly Roger, which goes through some of your badassest. Very um, cool. In joy, you Emma's gonna suck a butt. Okay, you're gonna be. <laughs> you hear that, you're Emma? gonna be alarmed. <laughs> um, so as we get into this history, girl, you can stop me. You ask questions. If you have Great. something you're curious about, something that isn't clear, feel free because I'm about to jump on my very favorite train. And sometimes <laughs> when I'm on this train, I just blow through cars. The train I, is I, not I, stopping. <laughs> I, I hear the ding, 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 and I just I don't care. No, about I'm it. so excited to learn about this. Oh my gosh. Okay, so pirate history let's fuck what is a pirate it's a fair question to start with mm -hmm. we all think we know what a pirate is but we're usually picturing someone and aren't sure what it is right a pirate is by definition an individual who perpetrates an armed robbery on a boat okay um it doesn't have to be the sea a corsair for example that's a pirate in the mediterranean interesting a buccaneer yes. is a pirate in the bahamas oh. or south america a privateer is a pirate with a permission slip. <laughs> okay, they're all pirates. They all chase down boats that they want right. for various reasons and then engage in armed conflict and the winner takes all. That's all of them have the same job. So you're telling me if I am, you know, just out having fun in the ocean and I see a boat that I just want to hop on and take over and I jump on that boat and I take over that boat, I am now a pirate if I'm armed? 100% correct. Okay, well, no one heard me say that. I don't even actually, I gotta be honest, <laughs> I think that armed is important but i think if you did it sneaky in the dead of night then without still... a gun i think you're still a pirate all right well if you guys hear on the news a uh, young woman uh, <laughs> steals yeah. boat in the dead of night it wasn't me <laughs> as long as there have been boats as long as there have been people on mm -hmm. boats as long as there's been valuable stuff floating around there's been pirates wow. however when we talk about the pirates mm -hmm. and you picture that individual in your mind Fictional pirates and real pirates alike largely come from the golden age of piracy, mm -hmm. which is generally 1650 to 1725, just under 100 years. Okay. This was such, I mean, Shelby, such a fantastic time to be a pirate. There's a lot of reasons why it was hot. One is we have what's called the triangle of trade. Okay. So if you picture a global map, mm -hmm. okay, you are a rich entrepreneur in England, say. All right. You buy slash build yourself a big ass boat. You fill that boat with English stuff, textiles, tea sets, cotton. Tea. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> you fill it with English stuff. That boat then heads south down the western coast of Africa. It stops. It unloads all of those goods and materials and brings African slaves on board. Mm. 
those African slaves are brought to the Americas, where they are unloaded. That boat is then replaced with America stuff, rum, uh, cotton, tobacco, mm. um, sugar. That boat then heads over to Europe, where it's unloaded, Got it. filled with English textiles, heads south to Africa. I will be mentioning the slave trade on mm -hmm. occasion. I just did. It is impossible for me to just casually say slavery and just casually mention the slave right. trade without like my heart stopping and like, oh, awful atrocity in the course of Absolutely. human history that is 100% tied up in the history of pirates. I want two things to be clear. Mm -hmm. One, I may casually brush by it or mention among the cargo of a ship cotton, slaves, sugar. I am not taking it passively or <laughs> not injured by the fact of this history. However, I am representing it to an extent the way it was perceived at the time, mm -hmm. which is simply a cargo log right. ascribed to Just value crazy. and pursued in a certain way. Pirates did not participate very much in the slave trade. I was going to ask you that, actually. A lot of pirates were themselves liberated slaves. Hmm. We'll talk about how democracy and equal opportunity were a key part of life aboard pirate ships. Mm. It would, however, be inaccurate to say they didn't participate to some extent in the slave trade. If they found a valuable slave ship and could unload it for a profit, they, they would. would. There was no issue with that. It wasn't a good business for pirates to be in. Mm. It's expensive. Mm. You have to feed and water these human beings. Right. You don't have to feed and water a bunch of spices and silk rolls. Right. That makes right? sense. Okay. So the triangle of trade means that there is valuable stuff everywhere. Yeah. Just floating out there for anyone who can also float <laughs> to just take. I mean, I think the closest example to this is the internet. Mm -hmm. The early days of the internet where in the ones and zeros, all of our valuable stuff was just suddenly floating out there. Right. People were like, I have a really valuable product. And someone was like, well, I have a credit card. And then everyone just put them all in the ones and zeros. And it wasn't long before people were like, I could just go get that stuff. Exactly. And yeah. it's an arms race, like it always is throughout history to sort of, once they figure out how, we got to figure out how to stop them and it goes and it goes. Yep, yep. So the triangle trade was one big reason we had all these pirates. The other was war, global war shall be, I mean, it, every single power in the world was at war with each other, right. which meant one, you've got um, really honorable people who want to serve their country and fight their enemies who do that by stealing things and knocking out other people's ships and getting mm. a group of cutthroats together to go after the bad guys. Well, that sounds like pirates. Looks a lot like pirates, right? <laughs> the other thing is you have um, always somebody ready to buy your stuff. So if right. you just went out and stole a boat of French silk, an English ship would probably buy it because yeah. fuck the French. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody hey. wins, right? <laughs> the other thing was you have everybody who knows how to handle themselves on a ship is already working. You know what I mean? Yeah, Any, absolutely. Anybody who knows how to tie a line and sail a ship is has been recruited into Her Majesty's Navy. There's like high demand, right? One of the things that England did when they ran out of recruits and qualified mm -hmm. sailors, get this, an English gentleman would go out into the countryside and buy a round of drinks in the pub. And the guys who took the drinks would wake up on a ship. You're kidding me. They would, would they drug people to get them to work on their ships? Congratulations, you've been enlisted in Her Majesty's Navy. Whew. That was the Navy. The official military did that this. And these crazy. guys, once they got on board, of course, were treated like shit. Yeah. Because the whole point is you're probably never going home. And you can either jump or you can now do this, right? Have you ever heard of a cat of nine tails? Yes, I have. It is a whip. Yeah. It's a specific kind of whip that has nine individual strands, each with a knot on the end. Mm -hmm. So that... They would whip them with that, right? Whip it, yeah. And it, and it was 
designed this way to tear, to shred the skin off your back. Sexy. This is not, it is. This is not an invention of pirates and it's not an invention of slave traders. It's an invention of Her Majesty's Navy, a way to keep their sailors in line. God so, save the queen. <laughs> so imagine, Shelby, you are one of these fine English gentlemen. You got drugged in a bar, you found yourself on a boat. They're treating Ugh. you like shit. They're whipping with cat nine tails. You got scurvy, your gums are growing over your teeth, they're rotten and you hate it. You see on the horizon a ship coming towards you and it's mm. coming at you fast. And it has the skull and crossbones flag. And all of a sudden, these fucking officers that have making your life hell start looking nervous. Ooh. And they run around and they're like, fuck, fuck everybody, get to a cannon and get this thing going. And you guys go, as fast as you can. Yeah. <laughs> because what you know and what your officers know and what the pirates motherfucking know is what's gonna happen when they get there. Right. They get on board and the first thing they do is bring all of the crew and officers onto the top deck. And they ask you, how they treating you? No way. And if it's poorly, they say, here. And they give you a gun or a cutlass. And they say, why don't you go ahead and do what you've been wanting to do since they brought you on board? And you get to kill those motherfuckers. I, I know. <laughs> now you've also got an offer. Because what the pirates know is that you're a capable seaman. Probably. Right, right, right. And if you have real skills, like you're a doctor, you're a navigator, you they can need read. You. And you don't want to be a pirate, they don't care. They're going to take you anyway. But they're trying to sell you on this. And they say, when you join a pirate ship, you read and or are read the articles of that crew. Yes. Which is their constitution. Okay. How they arrange their power structure, how they delineate punishments, their goals, how they're going to divide their booty. You vote on who is captain. Everyone gets the same cut of booty. Let's say once you're a pirate, you're on board, you see a boat low in the water, looks good, and a really good prize, and everybody wants to go get mm -hmm. it. And then some people are looking at it, like, looks really well gunned. It might be a trap. I don't want to go get they it. They would vote? You as a crew vote on if you are going to go get that prize or not. And if you say, yeah, we're going to go get it, that's when the captain is in charge. The captain is only the leader in battle. So if the captain hears the crew say, we want to go get that boat, that's the captain's job to get them to go. To I'm honestly shocked by this. I had no idea. They can replace the captain at any time. They changed from ship to ship. They were right. a little, but there were some common ones that like everybody knew. This is the pirate code. These are the articles of the gentleman of fortune that you elect your pirate, that you share all of the booty equally. There is no drinking on board. There is no fighting on board. There is no gambling on board. If you got a beef with somebody, you go to shore and you settle it there. I should have known this because, uh, fun fact, I was recruited uh, as a pirate uh, at Pirate's Dinner Theater. Oh, And they dream. did indeed read us the articles of, of what you just said. Mm. <laughs> I just nice. forgot. So nice. long ago. But that, you had, so you had to go to shore to fight your battles. You couldn't mm. fight on the boat. Because it would be chaos. And this is why they did it, was because this is a crew of criminals low lives, adulterers, right. people who've run away from their church, run away from their family, a band, you know what I mean? They're all bad guys, right, self, right. self proclaimed bad guys. And they've all beaten back some authority, right. which makes it difficult to impose authority. So they sort of understood from the beginning, fuck, like, like yeah. well, how about we all just agree then? And as long as we've all agreed that these are the terms, it became a really easy thing to do because somebody fucks up. You go, well, you know, you fucked up. You signed the thing that yeah, said, you, you, know, you know, we got to cut your hands yeah, off. We cut Sorry, your hands dude. Off, you understand. <laughs> um, and I just, I, I find it absolutely fascinating. And it is true that the pirate code, of course, predates the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. It predates the Constitution. And it predates the French Revolution, and it is some of the tenets of the Articles of the Gentleman of Fortune that were cited and inspired 
the texts of our later founding documents. Really? Blackbeard, in fact, really wanted always to establish an independent, legitimate government of pirate colonies that ran against these sort of with this pirate code in mind. That's so crazy. (laughs) Wow. My mind is being blown. (laughs) So before I go on, I want to I want to drop some fact and fiction on you. Okay. The big gold earring. Mm -hmm. You know, you see a picture of pirate, they got to have a big gold earring. Mm -hmm. Fact or fiction? I'm going to go with fact. Fact. Yes. 100% fact. Oh, good. Okay, great. And pirates in particular, a lot of sailors wore elaborate jewelry, pirates in particular, because when they took a prize and had a, a brief <laughs> windfall of money, right. they would go to shore and get it melted down, put into an earring that they could wear because it was the best way to not get robbed. Oh, interesting. It's where the idea of like burying treasure, not a great idea. Like who knows when you're going to be at, back at, when, look, where everyone's burying it on the sand. Oh, like, where's that going? Yeah. No. <laughs> so you wore your your treasure as jewelry, A, to show people that you're good. You mm-hmm. can do it. It's a public display. Status. Same, same yeah. way we wear them now. Two, you're not stealing this without killing me first. And for some pirates who had a deep spiritual or familial obligation, they would make it clear to their shipmates, if I die, you use this gold to give me the burial I want to bring to my family to oh, whatever. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I know. Gold wow. earrings. 100% true. Who knew? You may have heard in not just pirate legend, but in sailor legend mm-hmm. in general, is that women are that's bad why, luck. Yes, that's why I was really surprised that you were saying there were so many female pirates. Yeah. I lived on a boat for nine years on the Mississippi River in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, for the first few years, it was just me and my dog, which wow. and technically a captain is an individual who owns and pilots their boat. So you so were a captain. I was a captain. And here's the thing. It is a fact that people always considered it bad luck to have women on board. It is also a fact that they were right. That we- <laughs> Why were we bad luck? I mean, I know it's, why I'm bad luck. You know, it's like, it's, first you got to define bad luck, right? If, if you define bad luck as just a inexplicable reason why shit goes wrong, mm-hmm. they're bad luck. In the same way that flowers are bad luck to bring on board. Oh, interesting. And, and here's one of the reasons why. You're a sailor. You live on the sea. You have been on a gazillion boats and a gazillion adventures, which means you've had scurvy, as you've seen scurvy. You know someone's going to get hit by a rope or fall overboard Mm -hmm. or go nuts, and you're going to starve. It's like it's a death trap out there. Yeah. And even if everything goes pretty well, six or seven of you are just going to fucking die because it's the 1700s, right? And after all of these journeys, you will have found that when someone dies, they look around for whatever fresh flowers are around and they tie it to the body before they throw it overboard or before they do whatever. Mm. So all of a sudden you start seeing fresh flowers brought on board and all you can fucking think is which one of these (laughs) fucks is going to die. Like one of us is going to have those flowers tied to us. You do a Deadpool. You're like, all right, guys, I think it's Bobby. I don't know. He hasn't been looking too good. (laughs) You want to smell these flowers, Bobby? (laughs) Yeah. But you just, they would, and so you'd say it was bad luck because it just makes me feel bad. It makes me realize everything's about to fall apart and it's awful and so i don't like seeing flowers don't bring them on board women same thing you have a crew full of young violent isolated men Mm -hmm. and you bring one woman on board oh lord same reason you can't bring one mimosa to a bridal shower (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) you don't bring one cupcake to a birthday party like it causes problems people fight so yeah no women on board but it but it went deeper than that because you would think that would be the same for all military anywhere there aren't a lot of Mm -hmm. women right but it went deeper with the sea okay. because for as long as we have been using language to discuss what seafaring and piracy it's feminine there's this feminine element 
baked into this stuff. The sea is the mother of all things. Right. Ships are she. she. The first time a boat goes sailing, it is her maiden, maiden voyage. voyage. Yeah. The most dangerous, scary things in the water, mythological creatures, sirens, banshees, mermaids, sea hags, um, the uh, figurehead, which if you've ever seen a really old ornate ship, the yep. figure of a woman often bare-breasted. Yes. And she's on the bow of the ship, and it sort of looks like she's bound or she's sort of flying. Flying. It depends, yeah. you know. Doing the Titanic move a little bit there. <laughs> Titanic move, exactly. <laughs> and the little mermaid, they tastefully put clothes on her tits. Usually yeah, they're yeah. the tits sprout. The idea behind a female figurehead is that there's all these feminine monsters just lurking out there in the open sea. And when they see this phallic-ass boat cutting through the water, they're ready to sink it ah but, but then, then they, they see, see this you. feminine figure coming through they identify it's a sister and they let her go interesting but women of course do come aboard right yeah which means that some women could use these beliefs to their advantage uh -huh. so the same woman that you would brutally rape and beat in a bar on land you find her on board and you aren't gonna put a hand on her least the sea take out her vengeance whoa so women who were aware of this who were also tough and able and curious could really use this stuff to bring themselves into positions of power to send unquestioned commands and they are fucking bad ass <laughs> to of course mary reed yes and aunt bonnie yes and when we come back i'm gonna tell you all about them i can't wait I know, right? Now, I'm sure some of you have already directed yourselves to the nearest waterway in search of a boat on which you can either enlist or inflict historic mischief. And if you do, please tell us all about it. <laughs> now ahead, Shelby asks me about my own time living aboard, and I answer some of her questions about mermaids walking the plank and, of course, Horse, the life and times of Mary Reed and Anne Bonny. <laughs> but before we sail on, I want to take a quick moment to shout out a couple of special Hilf listeners. Doug, thank you so much for the donation. I am wearing my brand new grown-up headphones right now. <laughs> much obliged. And thank you also to Judy, Linnea, and Lauren, who all left us wonderful reviews on Apple. It means the world. And uh, hey, if this mid-roll space, as we call it in the biz, uh, seems to be primed for an ad, guess what? They're coming. Mama has some suitors. <laughs> but don't worry, I will never schlep shit I don't like, and I'll always make sure the ads are fun to listen to. So please continue to reach out to us. We love hearing from you. And as always, the best way that you can support the podcast is to follow me, follow me, follow me, follow. I bought my first houseboat when I was 26. Wow. Um, in part, no shit, because of how much I love pirates. And really? honest to God, I have a skull and crossbones tattooed on the back of my neck with swords crossing underneath. If you can see me, listeners, and some of you may have seen photos, I'm fucking covered in these things. I got skull and crossbones on the back of my neck. You got cool tattoos. I have compasses Compass. and anchors on my forearms. I have a big ass mermaid on the, my bicep. When I say I love pirates and I went in on this, I mean, I kind of <laughs> live my life. I'm, I, I, at risk of sounding like a mega nerd. I know you're a nerd, so you'll appreciate I'm that. I'm a huge nerd. Run fair for me. <laughs> I, yes, I really have lived my life in a large way 
in a significant way based on the articles of the gentleman of fortune and the idea that everything is fucked, mm. that you Can simultaneously give- need to keep the bastards at bay while recognizing the bastard that you must be. And I find there's something about when you live on a boat, you are sort of succumbing to the fact that you have no control. Right, right. That your body, like the boat itself, is just this fragile thing out there that could sink in any minute. And see, that's something that I struggle with. Like, I have a fear of flying, and it's because Mm -hmm. of letting go of control, where it's like, I can't fly this plane. I'm trusting these two people to keep us all safe while we're flying through the air. I'm less scared on boats, but it is that same... I'm actually not scared on boats at all. I used to go fishing a lot, but it's that is it's that same idea of yeah, you have really no control. No, and you're trusting your skills. Yeah, this vessel, the weather, the weather, the wind, all of these human tangible things like engineering mm-hmm. and this and the quality of that rope and the sturdiness of this helm right. that is all human manufacture big brain opposable thumb stuff <laughs> and then but you're just going straight into wild unknown uncontrollable ununderstandable forces of nature that are designed to destroy you yeah did you sleep outside a lot or were you? I did occasionally. My, yeah. I had two boats over the course of the years. The first boat was a 1974 fiberglass Nautiline okay. with twin 250 horsepower <laughs> Mercruiser engines I and a flybridge, fly which means I could drive from the roof. I had two helms, one Whoa. inside and one from the roof. And I had a John boat that hung over hooks off the back so that I could drop my little boat in the water and go zipping around. Wow. And when that boat wasn't in the water, I strung a hammock up between those two hooks and I would just lay out. I read most of the Harry Potter books <laughs> laying on my hammock. That is <laughs> so cool. So, like whenever I read Harry Potter, I'm like taken back to my... To my boat. And then I met my fella. We fell in love. He moved aboard the boat with me. And then we took that boat 1,800 miles down the Mississippi River from the headwaters to the Gulf. I feel like all I have to say is, whoa, because this is just, you're one of the most interesting people I've ever met in my (laughs) life. Oh, damn. Oh, I'm going to coast on that. I'm going to get a button. It's Shelby on set. I'm the most. It was a fucking blast, man. And winters up there in St. Paul, Minnesota are cold. I'd have to hack my ass out of the ice all the time in the oh, winter. What? I wouldn't have running water for weeks at a time because it'd fucking freeze. And all the weirdos, I mean, the the people that I lived with were the best. They're all just river rats, you know, yeah. running from something, whatever brought us all down there. And living aboard year round in the winter, there were only about like eight of us. Okay. So you guys became like a family, I'm sure. Totally. You'd haul each other out of the snow and jump wow. each other's cars. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was hard. And when we came to LA, I was like, I won't leave a river. My husband was like, LA, LA. And I was like, hey, God, I love this boat. Yeah. (laughs) So much. Um, And so we got an RV and we drove a. Oh, that's cool. We got a 72 silver Avion camper and we lived in that for four years, Shelby. Wow. Then I got pregnant. Which and then you great. were like, well, and I was like, nah, I'm going to need plumbing and stuff. Got to anchor down. <laughs> All right. Let's get some, let's get some appliances. <laughs>
any questions, anything probing, burning you must know before we go on? I'm curious about mermaids because you touched on this. Do you know like where the myth of mermaids first came from? Because I've heard manatees. I've heard kind of just other sea creatures. Do you, How did that happen? Yeah, my understanding is that it was a combination of several things, which was the sirens, mm-hmm. which were these mythological creatures from ancient times right. that were women who every time they sang, right. it would make your ship sink. Yeah. And mermaids a lot of times are combing their hair. They're singing. It's got kind of a similar lure. Manatees definitely seem to be the one that explained why people really thought they saw them. Like for the for the people who were like, no, I swear to God, like I saw one. It. Yeah. it was almost definitely a, a manatee, manatee. <laughs> or, or a dolphin. But then you can imagine if you're just a 22 year old guy on his 18th month out at sea, you're like, I think I saw a woman. <laughs> and they'd be like, how would a woman be out here? And you'd be like, she got like fish legs or something. She got, yeah, she got big, big titties. Woman. Big titties, but fish, she's got fish parts. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a legend that comes out of want and yeah. rum and <laughs> desire. Yeah. Oh, and before we get into these girls, I got one more fact or fiction for you, girl. Okay, let's do it. Who can talk about pirates without walking the plank? Walking the plank, do you think? Fact or fiction? Fiction. Fiction, girl, yes. you're three yes. for three. You're three for three. <laughs> I know you're nailing it. But, it. but here's what I say, though. It's fiction, but... And it's a key caveat Mm -hmm. because I like the idea of walking the plank because it is so appropriate for what the pirates would do. Because pirates, as I mentioned before, are are rotten criminals with violent, murderous pasts, every single one of them. And for that reason, they were a little uncomfortable executing justice on one another. Okay, interesting. So when someone had committed a transgression against those articles Mm -hmm. and the understood predetermined punishment for it was execution. There was still a little daylight between the act of murder and the pirates themselves. So walking the plank fits that in the sense that I didn't push you overboard. I didn't throw you overboard. I didn't slit your throat. Uh, You walked and I made you. Right. Yeah. So walking the plank, there's no documented instance of anyone making anyone walk the plank. James Barry made it up in Peter Peter Pan. Yeah. But Two of my favorites. One is keel hauling. Have you ever heard of keel hauling? I have not. So (laughs) you fucked up as a pirate. Okay. And you really screwed the pooch this time. And we got got to kill you, Steve. I fucked up today. uh, You did it again. So they take you to the bow of the ship as it is cutting fast through the water. Okay. Tie the line to the mast and the other end tight to your ankles. Oh, God. Throw you over the bow of the ship. Okay. So that your body is pulled under the keel. Now, 99% of the time, you drown, your body gets torn to pieces by these sharp-ass barnacles on the keel, um, or you're otherwise just destroyed. But every once in a while, the sharp-ass barnacles on the keel slice that rope. And you Instead, and you bob up at the back of the ship, at the stern, alive and well, in which case the crew is delighted, bring you back on board, all is forgiven, second chance. <laughs> I'm just picturing like, you know, the office, but with pirates. And so it's like, oh, yes, we're so glad you made it. And him just staring off at the camera. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's exactly. And like, isn't it just beautiful, though? Because they, they were all kind of hoping you'd make it. Yeah. Right? Because they're like, you fucked up. We executed punishment. But then God or the universe or the ocean or whoever spared yeah. you come on back buddy wild um loved it and the other one is marooning which we right know leaving on an island which is again or, we didn't yeah. set your throat we didn't get, we're probably gonna starve to death out here but uh, maybe somebody comes to save yeah. you maybe an angel or some shit there we or, go we leave room for god are you ready shelby young 
Oh my God. For the story of Mary Beat. I've never been more ready for anything in my life. <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm talking to, like, you will be preparing for this role in your lifetime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you hear now. Can I ask her? She's so well prepared. Okay. <laughs> Mary... Do my research. <laughs> She's got a book, I swear to God. <laughs> One book. Um, okay. Mary Reed was born in England in 1685. Okay. Her dad is a sailor and a pretty well-off guy with a nice family. Her mom uh, has an infant son on the day that he goes off to the sea and is lost. Mm. Mary's dad never comes. We don't lost, dead, captured. Who knows? He never yeah. comes home again. She's devastated. About a year later, her mother is pregnant. Okay. So mm. obviously something doesn't mm-hmm. add up there. Yeah. You don't have to be a math whiz. <laughs> and nobody in 1685 even needed to be a math whiz. And Mary's mom was like, fuck. And she, of course, relies on the support of her husband's family. And so she's like, you know what, you guys? I have to go. I'm going to be back, though. I'm gonna, I have to go for 10-ish months. And goodbye. So she leaves. Okay. When she's gone, tragically, the infant boy dies, and she delivers a young girl, Mary. About four years later, she is in desperate financial times and, and just has to come back to her husband's family or she's done. She's right. dead. She's destitute. And the only way to do this is to pretend that Mary's the dead kid. The dead boy. No. That, that way. was her husband's son. And just be like, this is him. So she dresses Mary up like a boy and Mary's in on it. Mary's four. My daughter's three and a half. I guarantee I could tell Beatrice she was an elephant and she would be an elephant She's all like, day. Done. <laughs> I'd be like, we need all these fucks to think you're an elephant. She'd be like, you got it. Improv star. <laughs> so she tells Mary, she's in on the secret. She's like, here's the deal and you got to be a boy. And it works. The mother in law totally buys it and supports them both. They weren't living in the same house. She had like a house on the estate, but it basically meant old mother-in-law could drop in any time and mary had to be a boy all the time could never risk anyone finding out wow and as mary gets older into her teens her mom gets her jobs as like a footman because she's like i don't want to be a woman like i'm poor right yeah so there's no opportunities for poor women at least as a man i can get these jobs right and ultimately when she's grown she enlists in Her Majesty's Navy and is trained as a sailor and lives and works aboard this Navy ship. Wow. Buckle up, Shelby. Oh, okay. I'm putting on my seatbelt. <clears throat> okay. So she's working in Her Majesty's Navy. She's a bomb-ass sailor. She's trained as a navigator, and she's really, really good. And then she falls in love with a fellow sailor. She doesn't know what to do. So she reveals her sex, tells him she loves him. And he goes fucking a right. I love you. What? He's like, I didn't know, but this is great. Mary, you were Mark. Mark, this is the best. Are you kidding me? And the crew loves it. Everybody is so excited. They know shit. They raise money for these two so that they can have this awesome wedding. (laughs) And then Mary and her new Flemish husband open an inn and this bomb ass bar in the Netherlands called the Three Horseshoes. And she and her Flemish husband are very happy running this inn. And it's populated largely by like soldiers because of all these endless wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then simultaneously, the wars end, the peace is sort of happening, and the soldiers stop coming, the business goes down, and her husband dies. No! And we were just getting to know him. I know! <laughs> I know. It's like the season ender, right? And then Mary, as the history says, goes back to the britches mm. and goes back to work. She goes back to the sea to re-enlist in the Navy because fucking Aiden, that worked out great the last yeah. time. <laughs> Except there's no more war. Remember, the wars are all drying up. Right. And she can't get a job, so she enlists in a merchant ship headed for the West Indies. Okay. Where she is captured by pirates. Ooh. Let's stick a pin in Mary. I'm going to tell you about Anne Bonny. Okay. Anne Bonny was born in Ireland in 1700. Her dad's a lawyer. Her mom is a lawyer's maid. Okay. 
he gets her pregnant. Wife finds out. Fucking mad, of course. Yeah. <laughs> there's, not a, there's never been a time in history that you were like, cool, I totally get it. Oh, good for you, honey. <laughs> I love her. She's, she, I hope we don't have to pay her as much now. And, of course, the pregnant maid goes away, has the baby, and the lawyer is like, I kind of like this gal, and he still kind of hangs out with her on a kind of, and mm. he has a deep affection for the child. She's smart. She's cool. She's tough. He wants to help her out, but he knows everyone knows he has this illegitimate daughter. So he dresses her as a boy. You're kidding me. And brings her back to his estate and tells everybody he's this young clerk he's going to be training as a lawyer. It doesn't take long for people to be like, wow. Like, okay, dude. <laughs> right? Because Mary was had a very easy time passing. Anne is a very feminine. Mm -hmm. She's got green eyes and long red hair and she's a babe. So it was a little bit more <laughs> difficult for her to pass. So then the, the wife is like, dude, <laughs> like, dude, it was beyond that. I even did it the first time. And, and his mom too is like, dude, that's incredible. You're fucking cut off like two times. <laughs> that's it. So he goes, he marries Anne's mother and takes the two of them somewhere where nobody knows about their scandal and they might be able to start a new life. Carolina. Okay. That, there was just one Carolina. Just, just the Carolina. So they moved to Carolina. And he is a slave-owning plantation owner, Ooh. and Anne hates his guts. He's also trying, she can tell, to make a profitable marriage hmm. mm -hmm. for her because he's kind yeah. of duping everyone to thinking they're these proper European right, aristocrats, right. whatever. Anne is rough, and Anne likes to go down to the docks and drink and gamble and have sex. Wow. Which, who doesn't? Sounds like my kind of lady. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, she falls in love and wants to marry this kind of deadbeat sailor named James Bonnie. And she brings James home and her dad's like, fuck, no, he's not going to pay a dowry. Like, what a waste of you on this guy. Anne can't stand it. She marries him on the sly. They run away in the middle of the night. And she burns her dad's plantation Holy to the ground. shit. <laughs> Let's go, Anne. I know. But you got to look at James Bonnie. I got to tell you, too, James Bonnie, this poor guy who thought to himself, fuck yeah, this rich babe wants to marry me. I'm going to be set. And not only does her dad disown her, but she's like, oh, dad disowned me. So now we can just be poor together. And he was like, he's like, great. great. <laughs> so these two sneak out in the middle of the night after burning her dad's plantation to the ground and they go to the Bahamas. They get to the Bahamas and one of the reasons they go there is because this douchebag named Woods Rogers Sounds like a douchebag. He's a total douchebag he has been charged with cleaning up the pirate problem. Okay. It's pretty much like you need to make put an end to this. So get harsh, get nasty and one of the things he does before he gets really nasty is he offers an amnesty. Okay. A broad amnesty. All pirates that want to give up the life, sign... Uh, I apologize, sign and I'll never do it again, and we're not going to try to kill you anymore. I don't trust that. So James Bonney is working with Woods Rogers to help him snitch okay. and round up some of these pirates, which Anne don't like, because yeah. these are her favorite dudes, right? So she falls in love with a pirate <gasps> named Calico Jack Rackham. Oh, and Calico Jack is kind of an honorable dude. He knows she's married, so he goes to James Bonney and says, I'd like to buy her. Like, basically, what's it worth to you for me to take Anne yeah. off your hands? And I know she's a huge pain in the ass. So just, like, name your price. James refuses to sell her and is also like, y'all better watch out because if you don't take this amnesty, Woods Rogers is going to come after you. Anne participates in a couple acts of piracy with Calico Jack Rackham, which means she is now a, a pirate, she's an a accused pirate. pirate. And she, she can't get the king's amnesty because she's now left her husband oh. and she has an attempted murder charge on her dad. 
So she fucked. <laughs> she's fucked. And Woods Rogers and James Bonney are like, set this trap. There's one way in, there's one way out of Providence, and they just know eventually Calico Jack and Anne are gonna have to leave. And when they do, they're gonna get busted by the two people who wanna bust them the most. <sighs> so they lay in wait one night. And fuck, they see it. It's dark, it's underlit, but it's definitely one of Calico jack rackham's sloops and it's heading out into the harbor and woods rogers is like yes and they fire on it and it blows up and i mean blows up huge flame loud explosion black smoke because it was just filled with gunpowder rigged it and flammable oil so while everybody is in chaos and like running over to see what happened with this boat calico jack rackham and ann bonnie sneak out the harbor undetected Yes. Uh, yeah, I know. literally this needs to be a movie. I know. I know. You can imagine how much shit I can't tell you because we don't have time. But this is <laughs> this is one of my favorites. So Calico Jack Rackham and Ann Bonnie are now pirates together and they are a great team because Calico Jack is for lack of a better word, a feminist. <laughs> and he just has no problem being the cool guy that like swaggers in and everyone is like, yes, we can respect this man. And then just taking a sidestep while Anne does all the Incredible. Stuff. He doesn't mind that at all. And Anne thinks he's great. He's flamboyant. He's interesting. He's tough. He's all these things. So she has her heart set on this one ship. It's called the Royal Queen. Ooh. And she knows this ship because one of her former boyfriends owns it. His name, get this shitty name. Chidley Bayard. You're kidding me. Chidley. So Chidley Bayard. His parents did not like him. Every time, I know this is, of course, historically entirely inaccurate, but I just picture like an 80s bad guy. Like Chidley's on his dad's yacht. Chidley Bayard. Chidley Bayard. He's got like four polos on, you know. He's skiing for some reason, even though it's summer. Hey, Anne. So Chidley Bayard has this bomb-ass boat that, that she has been aboard, and she loves it, and she wants it. And he he knows she's a pirate. In fact, he's kind of hunting her down. Like he he is aware there's a ransom and Ooh. he could make some money on her. History has lost some of the details, but okay. all we know is that he invites her on a date and she accepts. Ooh, Chidley. The date is on the Royal Queen. She says, of course. I'd love to. She does, however, ask that his crew remain below decks to preserve her reputation. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her. I know. Attempted murder on your father. Just left your husband. You are a bona fide pirate. Please Please ask them to stay below decks, which he does, and they do. The two of them retire to his captain's quarters where she serves him wine. (gasps) And then Chidley wakes up in the morning. And he's in his bed, and the boat seems fine. And his crew is eating breakfast. And he's like, What the fuck happened? And he's asking, He's like, You guys see animals? Everything okay? And they're like, Yeah. And he's like, No, that was. That was crazy. That was weird. All right, let's go out to sea. So they head out to sea. About an hour later, Anne's fleet appears, and they are coming in on the Royal Queen hard. And Chidley's like, ah, this minx, you know, and he turns to fire on her, and none of his cannons work. <gasps> yes. <laughs> That's so badass. That is so badass. So she knew she couldn't do it by herself. She knew that there was no way she could get it out of the harbor. So what she had to do was just disarm him and get him out in the middle of the sea. Or she could take it over properly. And it was smart. I know, it was her favorite boat forever. Now, a moment that we really pimped up, I think, very beautifully the eye patch. Yes. Do you, I actually kind of want you to tell me why did pirates wear eye patches? So, what I 
learned myself that no one else taught me, Emma, <clears throat> um, <laughs> is supposedly it was so when you were above deck, you would cover one eye and it's bright and sunny. And then as soon as you had to run below deck, you know, when we have sunglasses on, you would flip your eye patch to the other eye so that eye that's been sitting in darkness can see right away instead of adjusting. You nailed it. Yes. That was exactly right. 10 points to Slytherin. I hope that you stick it to that bitch Emma the next time that you guys play your trivia <laughs> <Yes>. game. <laughs> I'm going to win. <laughs> Arg, mateys. Oh, come on. You knew I couldn't keep all that healthy goodness into one little episode. <laughs> Please come back and join Shelby and I for part two of the history of the pirates. We will learn more about Shelby's cool ass job. We will meet more fuckable pirates and we will hear more swashbuckling stories like the one about when James Bonney kidnaps Anne in the dead of night and attempts to drag her home in chains. <laughs> what bad idea, James. Uh, uh, now, between now and the next new episode, I have some fantastic suggestions for you. One, go back to our page and catch up on an episode you might have missed. Two, you're all caught up? Huh? <laughs> then go and check out these great podcasts that I love. One is called Campfire Shit Show. It is a great comedy podcast hosted by Meryl Clemo and Bo Hufford. They are hilarious and candid and have incredible guests, including check notes. Oh, me. Uh, also, please check out Half-Baked History. Uh, the co-hosts, Kelsey and Nick, discuss history while they get high. I know, right? Um, they have a recent episode on Blackbeard that can swash your buckle and tide you over until our next episode. So until next time, shipmates, this has been Hilf. History I'd like to fuck with Dawn Brody. I'm Dawn Brody, reminding you that history is a party and everybody's coming. Fuck.